Return to Grace by Delio Pera, performed by Delio Pera and Vera Pera. Sister Vadria Vey is cold, but she gives thanks. Vadria is in her mid-thirties, but looks to be in her early forties. She is not tall. Her hands are those of someone that has known manual labor since an early age. There's an inner strength to her eyes, a fire that could be mistaken for barely contained rage. Besides the rags, she wears scars from head to toe. The rags mock any attempt to warm herself, if she made such attempts, but she does not. Vadria is aboard the Benevolent Mercy, locked in a cell. The steel flooring is rough. Kneeling, she grinds her knees into it, ensuring it cuts and bruises her. She does this because it reminds her of the fury of battle where she witnessed the Emperor's divine grace. She shifts her position on the rough floor with each breath, gouging new wounds. She gives thanks to the Emperor for this chance at redemption. She gives thanks to him for finding her in the depths of doubt and showing her his light that guided her back to his embrace. She gives thanks for sparing her when those around her on the battlefield fell and screamed and died. The benevolent mercy rumbles, its walls waver. Whether true or only a trick of the mind is unclear. The warp outside threatens to rip the ship apart with every passing second. Cries echo through the dark passages. The occasional crewman, guard, or prisoner screams, their mind flooded with images of the unspeakable. Between the howls of agony, boots on metal flooring can be heard, the guards checking in on prisoners. Sometimes the guards see visions, their minds invaded by the warp, and are driven to acts of depravity. She smiles. It is thanks to his will that she sees each new moment. If he desires that this voyage end, then she will see that end with a smile on her face. If he desires that this trip is made successful, then it will be so. Seen from the outside, the benevolent mercy would look to be moving as much forward as back, as much up as down. Purple-black tendrils writhe in clouds made of hatred and agony, like a half-dead fish caught in the current of a slow-moving river, like a fleck of dust thrown into an apocalyptic storm. The warp roils, lightning the colored of bloody daemon's blood thrashes between clouds of ebony. The clouds open to reveal endless rows of teeth, the teeth twist, become so many razors that cut the sky asunder. Rain of vomit issues forth and turns back in on itself, curling into nightmares. The massive room where Vadria is locked away contains thousands of cells, although they're more cages than actual prison cells. The cages are stacked too high and are five feet in height, width, and length. Vadria gives thanks that she's not taller. A large man in a cage across from her can only find comfort when he lays diagonally or when he manages to make his spit reach Vadria. He goes between the two laying and spitting. The clang, clang, clang of a baton being dragged across cell bars echoes through the halls of the prison block. Drunken laughter follows the baton's racket. Vadria notes three distinct voices but can't pick out words. At least not yet. They're still too far down the hall. Candle yellow lumens flicker in the dim hall, casting shadows that don't move quite right. They never do during warp travel. A hoot from one of the three. Words. The clang of a cage being opened. A female screams, then whimpers. Two of the three laugh, and then continue down the way. Vadria widens her kneeling posture and smiles. Something creeps into the edge of her lips. Her mind fills with anticipation and relish where they mingle with scenes from her most recent battle, a war against the greenskins on Palcine's moon. Palcine, a junk world, had attracted the attention of a would-be orc warboss. The up-and-coming greenskin thought to prove himself by taking the junk world, what he and his band planned to do with an entire world of scrap was unclear, probably even to the Greenskins themselves. 
but the administratum decided not to find out and sent the order of the broken path of the Adeptus Sororitas to quell the incursion. Vadria's mind fills with scenes from the battlefield. Howling greenskins fell with each sweep of her eviscerator. The mighty weapon roared as it tore through orc hide. Bone and meat were carved and chewed to shreds. Blood bathed her. She spun and swung, the sword mowing its way through wave after wave of orc filth like some kind of feral mutant hound let loose in a rabbit pen. Vadria sang prayers, wading ever deeper into the ocean of green, turning red, and she laughed as blood and viscera splattered her. She runs a hand over the front of her rags, the same she wore into battle, only now with more blood. Far more. Under all the red, the once white cloth is covered in her handwriting. Prayers of benediction to the Holy Emperor, admissions of doubt, and confessions. The baton's clanging stops at her cage. Look at this one, says the bigger of the two guards. He's not quite fat, but could be with a little effort. The other, thin to the point of frail, snickers. Might be pretty if it weren't for all the blood and guts. The big one grunts a laugh. <sighs> Looks like she's still bleeding now. I wonder if she's wild. Vadria opens her eyes and meets the look of the men. She glances down the way where the female still screams, most of them muffled now. Come in and find out. The two guards share a look, now unsure. No one ever invited them in before. Honor? The big one elbows his small friend. The little one nearly falls from the gesture. He laughs it off. <laughs> All yours. Too old, you dig her, Gloin. You sure? Gloin asks, not so sure himself. I'm off to find someone a little more fresh. The big one slaps Gloin on the back and laughs, a sound of stirred phlegm. When Gloin is alone, he finds new reserves of resolve. A wicked grin spreads over his face, and he reaches into his back pocket and pulls out a small object. He flicks the pocket knife open while wrestling with the belt and button of his pants. Sister Vadria gives thanks for this trial. She wondered if the whole trip would go without incident, and is happy to see that won't be the case. For the first month of travel, her days bled together. Knowing when one ended and another began was as difficult to determine as it was pointless. The number of days en route home matter not, only that she is able to pray and as long as she has her mind, she can do that. Gloin unlocks the cage, holding the blade to his lips. He kisses it. Let's play. All right. Thanks, Vadria. Let's. Gloin wriggles his way into the cage. He keeps the knife in front of him, wary. He starts to wonder why she hasn't moved. She's still kneeling. Has she even looked up? Maybe she's blind. All the better. The others have always made fun of his looks. Once Gloin is inside the cage, he pulls the door shut and locks it never taking his eyes from the woman. He doesn't trust her. Others would be cowering in the farthest corner by this point, but this one has done nothing. He doesn't like the screams, any sounds at all, but he does enjoy the fear. Gloin is only this way in warp travel, never in real space. Indeed, he won't remember this day at all when the journey is over. Unlike the other times, it won't be due to a warp-induced fugue. The moment the cage door is locked, Vadria moves. She crawls towards Gloin, dragging her legs against the cage, cutting new lines into her knees and shins and the tops of her feet. She doesn't move fast. There's no reason to. There's no rush. No, she's coming towards me. This is new. Gloin snickers. You're a bit off, aren't you? The ship shudders and Gloin falls to his side. Vadria waits. There's no rush. Let him come. Let him enjoy these last few moments. It's only as Gloin pushes himself back up that he realizes how rough the floor is. Then he sees the woman's legs and fresh cuts. Maybe well more than a bit. Vadria kneels again and waits. What exactly is this man's plan? What does he intend to do? A moment later, she learns. 
Gloin pushes himself onto the strange, cut-up woman and finds himself on the cage floor. Whether due to the blood, his own ineptitude, or some deft skill of hers, he isn't sure. It all happened so fast. He pushes himself towards her again and once more ends up on the rough steel. A curl of metal bites into his back. He grunts in pain. Now angry, he swings his blade at her and splits a cut open on her shoulder. If he took the time to think about what he saw, he would have fled that instant. Vadria doesn't flinch. The cut doesn't even faze her. She makes no sign of having felt anything at all. Her only thought is, That's it? That's why so many others feared you? That? She turns her mind to the Emperor and seeks his guidance. What must I do? She asks, and the answer is given to her in the form of a series of images. Vadria grabs the man, moving too fast for him to react, and spins him into the bars of the cage. She smashes his head into the bars. He tries to scream, but can't open his mouth. She does it for him. Holding his face against the bar, she grabs hold of his lower lip and pulls like it's the skin of a fruit. She drags his lower jaw open and his teeth scrape against the bars. With his mouth open, Vadria continues to pull and, at the same time, shove it into the bar. The rough metal pushes against the edges of the man's lips like a bridle. Now he howls. He makes guttural, gagging sounds. She continues to push until teeth grind and shatter. There's no expression on her face. If this is anything to her, it's boring. This was no trial. It was a distraction from her penitence, and that angers her. With a final violent shove, she pushes half the man's face onto the bar, splitting his head. He gags on his tongue as it falls back into his throat. Vadria unlocks her cage and shoves the guard out. After relocking her cage and tossing the key onto the body, she kneels. The sound of a soft clatter is the last thing Vadria hears as she enters into prayer, the key falling from the guard's shuddering body. The last thought Gloin has is a question. What's all that writing? Another two days of warp travel. Plenty of time for more prayer. Vadria thinks. Thanks for giving this a listen. Uh, my wife and I have never done anything quite like this before. We've done a podcast, but never like a drama kind of thing like this. Yeah, this is the first time that I've done any voice acting apart from maybe a play in seventh grade. Oh, I didn't. I'm going to have to ask her about that. Uh, I didn't. I don't think I know anything about that. So if you have any tips or pointers or anything that we can improve on, by all means, point them out. Uh, I definitely want to hear things about my voice and what's annoying and what I could improve on. But more than that, the number one thing that I'm looking for is feedback on my writing. If there's anything that doesn't mesh with the 40k universe, I want it to be fixed. Now, if it's something that doesn't make sense right now, maybe give me a little bit of time so that I have some time to, to, to tweak it because there is reason for everything that's going on right now, but if they're not good enough reasons, then I'm more than happy and, and want to change them so that they fit. I'm not trying to run off and do my own freaking thing here. I, I want this to be a story that fits and is correct and proper in the 40k universe. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, thanks for giving this a listen and have a great rest of your week and, and days and yeah. Yes, all of that. All right, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.